We're starting a new sermon series on the tongue from James chapter 3, spending the next three weeks in this one chapter here. So hopefully by the end of that, you guys have a good idea, a good grasp of James chapter 3, what he's talking about. Uh, and so in this, in this passage of scripture, this chapter really, James gives us six pictures, six different pictures of the tongue. He gives us uh, the ones we just read of uh, a bit in a horse's mouth. He also gives us <coughs> one of, uh, of, of um, a, a ship, a rudder in a ship. Uh, another one is fire. Another one is, um, let's see, a fountain, a poisonous animal, and a fig tree. He gives us six different descriptions or pictures of what the tongue is like. And uh, we're going to be going through two different pictures e each week. Today we're going to be going through uh, the bit in the horse's mouth and then the rudder. And the next two weeks after that we'll be going through the rest of them. And so he doesn't leave any room for doubt as to how we should use our tongue. That's the point of him using six different pictures. So we get six, six different angles, six different perspectives on how we ought to use our tongue, the words we ought to say, and uh, how our tongue ought to be used uh, when we are with people. The truth is our tongue is a troublemaker. It doesn't matter who you are. We've all used our tongue to get ourselves into trouble, uh, and we do it constantly and consistently, whether it was an argument with your spouse uh, an unkind word at work, uh, a lie to get out of a situation, uh, maybe it was a demeaning statement to a friend, a crude joke, um, a false rumor that you started. Our tongue can hurt ourselves as well as other people. So our tongue can hurt ourselves, but it can hurt the people that are in our sphere of influence. We use our tongue to complain, criticize, gossip, lie, slander, denigrate, and the list goes on, right? We could go all day long on the list of things that we do uh, with our tongue that are negative. To use a really old uh, movie reference that maybe you guys understand, maybe you guys don't, our tongue can sometimes be like a gremlin. How many of you guys know what a gremlin is? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, a gremlin? You've seen this movie, Gremlin. It's a cute little fuzzy dude, but... In the wrong circumstances, he turns into a little monster, right? He turns into a gremlin. Gremlins are these, these nasty little monster dudes that cause trouble and they tear up neighborhoods and houses. And some of you are looking at me like, like I'm too old. Well, here's another movie reference that our tongue is like. Not, our tongue isn't just like a gremlin that sometimes is good and then turns into a little monster on a, on the, a moment's notice. It's also like Baby Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. When he turns evil, he turns into a monster. This is our tongue a lot of times. Just a nice, cute, little chubby baby, right? And then all of a sudden, he gets mad and he turns into a monster that's ready to bite people's legs off. That is what the tongue is like. We can use it for good. It can be done. For, we can use. We can build up people. We can edify, as the Bible talks about. Then, there's a moment's notice, we can use our tongue to tear down, and we can turn into a gremlin with our tongue, and we can hurt people. We can say things we don't mean. We can say things we regret. That is what our tongue is like. Our tongue is. Our tongue can be a destructive thing, and it causes unneeded trouble. That's why we need to talk about it this morning. In the next couple weeks. That's why James talks about it in chapter three of his book. The tongue is destructive, but as we look at just the first four verses of this chapter, we see that our words and our tongue also influence the direction of our life. So not only is our tongue uh, destructive, but in another sense, in a more broad sense, our tongue sets and influences the direction of our life so that the things we say kind of set the direction. You see it in verse 4 that our tongue is the rudder of our life. That's talking about it has influence. It influences our life's direction. And it won't just influence the direction of your life. It will influence the direction of those who are around you and who are closest to you and who you love. See, the words we say, the words we speak actually matter, actually have influence. They can actually have influence not just in your life but other people's life. The tongue, even though it's just a small little thing, can set the direction of your life, your relationships, your family, your marriage, your friendships, and your career. Just this little 
little thing. You see, words are the fundamental way humans interact with each other. And that's why the, the tongue is so important because this is how we communicate. Our words, our tongue, is the fundamental way we communicate with each other. Our words are the primary means through which any relationship is held. Most relationship problems are communication problems. And what's communication boiled down to? Our words, our tongue. You see, our tongue holds a power in our life that few other things hold. Our tongue sets the direction of our life because this is what we use to communicate in any and every relationship. So it holds a place in our life that is more valuable and more powerful than any other thing in our life. You ever been to Six Flags before? I've been to Six Flags a couple times, and the older I get, the more I don't like it, right? When you're young, you, you really enjoy it and you can't wait. The older I get, the more I'm like, well, this is, I don't really, my stomach's not built for this anymore. And so we drive up to Six Flags. Years ago, we do this. I would drive up to Six Flags, and uh, you can see as you're driving up the, the freeway, you can see the roller coasters jutting out of uh, the ground and into the sky, reaching up for the clouds in the heavens almost, right? And you can look at, the, you can look at that roller coaster, the, the track, and you can see how it comes down, slopes up, and it has all these twisty twirlies and curly cues. And, and you look at that. And if you're young, you look at that and you say, man, that, I cannot wait to stand in line for two hours so I can get on that ride. I cannot wait to get on that ride. And if you're a parent and you're older, you're like, man, that looks like I'm going to lose my lunch on that ride. That does not look like fun at all. Why? Why does one person say, well, this looks awesome, and the other person say, oh, I can't wait? Because they know, based on the track, how it slopes up and down, and all the curly cues, and all the twisties on it, they know, based on the track, what the ride is going to be like. You don't, need to, you don't need to get close to the ride to know what it's like. You can see from a distance that this ride is going to be a crazy ride. This is going to be one for the books. This is going to be something you will never forget, based on the track. Our tongue is like that. Our tongue sets the track for the direction of our life. Just like the, the roller coaster and where it's going to go is set by the track, our tongue sets the track for our life. So that whether our words are positive or negative, whether our words are cutting or building up, whether our words are helping or hurting, it will set and influence the direction of our life, most notably our relationships. If our words are hurtful and our tongue is being used to bring down, it's going to hurt our relationships. It's going to hurt our marriage. It's going to hurt our friendships. If our, we're using our tongue to edify, to build up, as the Bible says, well, then it's going to set the direction of our relationships in a positive direction, in a healthy direction, the direction that God wants for us. This is... This is the power of the tongue. It sets the direction, the track of our life. Very few things can influence the direction of our lives like our words. So this is a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Jesus takes it one step further. Or I'm sorry, James takes it one step further. Look at uh, verse number two. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So what's he saying here? James says, in many things we offend all. He says, he says that we make mistakes all the time as people. We do tons of stuff wrong. It means that none of us are perfect. We do lots of things wrong all the time because we're human. James is pointing out an almost self-evident statement. We are not perfect people. We get angry. We lust after things in people. We're greedy. Uh, we're, we hold bitterness. We worry. We deal with unforgiveness with other people. We struggle with materialism. We're imperfect is what James is saying. But, but, in spite of all that, he says... He says, for in many things we offend all. If, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. He says that if we can learn to control our tongue, we are a perfect person. What does he mean, actually perfect? He means complete. He means upright. He means spiritually mature. So, 
in spite of all the things that we do wrong as humans, even though we offend in all these different areas, he says, if you can, uh, if you can offend not in word, if you can hold your tongue, you can hold your words, he says that you are a spiritually mature person. You are well on your way to becoming a spiritually mature person. You are an upright person. That's what that word means. And that's good news for us this morning. A controlled tongue is a mark of spiritual maturity. And how is that possible? Because if we can control our tongue, many of the sins that I just listed, greed, anger, bitterness, pride, uh, lust, gossip, no longer have a voice. You see, our tongue holds a very, very important and really uh, holds an important position that no other thing in our life holds. Because if we can control our tongue, then we can also put a control on our lust, our greed, all these other things. Why? Because all these other sins in our life, the mouthpiece for all these other sins in our life is our tongue. Sin expresses itself through our tongue. Our tongue is how our sinfulness expresses ourself. Uh, our tongue is the spokesperson of our heart. It's, it's like if you can control the bully of a group. Have you ever seen or you grew up with a group of bullies? You've seen a group of bullies. But there's always the leader in the group of bullies, right? If you can control that group, the leader of the group of bullies, well, then you can control the rest of the bullies. So if if the one, if the, maybe a teenager or something, they, they have this group of bullies at school, and they, they see the leader of the group. If they can get that person in trouble, if you can control the leader of the group, well, then all the other ones won't bother you as much. All the other ones will fall in line. What's the point? It's the point is, if we can get control of our tongue, it also means that we can get control of all these other things in our life that are hurting us. It's the leader. It's the leader of the pack. Quite literally, it's the voice of all these other things. It's, what's, it's the spokesperson. So if we can control our tongue, it's an indication that we can control ourselves. You see, controlled words indicate a controlled life. Why is that true? Because what we say is a window into who we are. The words that are coming out of our mouth is a window. Those are a reflection of our heart. Our sin nature is always trying to express itself and take control over our tongue. Look at the next verse, James chapter 3, verse number 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. James uses the picture of a bit in a horse's mouth. The owner of the horse recognizes the wild nature of the horse. Hence the bit in the horse's mouth. And so he, because he recognizes the wild nature of the horse, he puts a bit in the horse's mouth and reins on the bit so that he can move the horse in the direction that he wants it to go. See, what's James saying here? That we need to control our tongue because our sin nature is constantly trying to usurp control over the words we say. Like the horse needs a bit to rein in its wild nature, our tongue needs constraints to rein in the sinful nature that is always trying to assert itself. Just like this horse has a wild nature, so we as humans have a sin nature. We have a broken, wild sin nature that's always trying to usurp control. It's always trying to assert itself and take control over the words of our mouth. Just like a wild horse, his wild nature is always trying to take control. You see, the Apostle Paul talks about this struggle in the Christian life. Romans chapter 7, verse number 15. For that which I do, I allow not. That's confusing. What does that mean? He says, the things that I want to do that I know are right, those are the things I don't do. I, allow the, I don't allow those things to happen. For what I would, the things I do want to do, that do I not. I don't do those things. But what I hate, 
the things in my life that I don't want to do, that I know are hurtful, that I know are destructive to my relationships, that I know are hurtful to my relationship with God, the things that I hate, that do I. He says something in me still compels me to do those things. If then I do that which I would not, if I end up doing the things that I don't want to do, well, then I consent into the law that is good. What's he saying here? Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He's talking about this conundrum, this, this dichotomy, this, this tension in our life. He's saying there's a part of us that wants to do right. And there's another part of us that wants to do wrong. There's a part of us that wants to stop from doing wrong. There's a part of us that wants to start doing what's wrong. He's saying there's this tension. There's something inside of me that wants to do wrong. There's something inside of me that's broken. There's something inside of me that's, that's, that's dwelling inside of me that's sinful. Paul's saying that there's a wild, sinful nature lurking inside us, seeking to derail the direction of our life. Well, that's exactly what James is saying. He's saying just as we put bits in the horse's mouth to uh, control their wild nature, he's saying that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Like the, the old Indian story. You've probably heard this before, of the two wolves. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard the story. A troubled young boy went up to his old Cherokee grandfather and told him that a fight was going on inside of him. There were two wolves inside him. One wolf was filled with anger, lies, greed, pride, arrogance, and criticism. And then the other wolf was filled with goodness, with love, with encouragement, and generosity. The boy then asked the wise old grandfather, which one will win? And the grandfather simply replied, the one you feed. You see, the Apostle Paul and the, the Apostle James understood this dynamic. Daily, we must assert control over the impulses that seek to control our tongue. There are going to be moments when you have the, the perfect comeback in an argument. When you're with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you're with your husband, your wife, and you have, you just, you have the perfect, you, have, you just have the zinger. You, ever, you guys ever been like, you have the zinger on the tip of your tongue, ready, locked in, loaded, ready to go. And you're just waiting for that perfect moment when she finally is quiet or he is finally shutting up and you can just, you can let it fly. There's going to be times in our life we have the perfect, uh, perfect, the perfect zinger to say. There are going to be moments when that critical word is going to want to come out of your mouth. Somebody has an idea. Somebody says something. You don't want to say that critical word to cut them down. Sometime this week, you're going to have an urge to complain to someone about something. There's going to be something at your work, some place, or, or one of your uh, family members, or someone in your life. You're going to have an urge to complain about them. There's a wild nature inside of us that is looking to voice itself looking to come out. It's itching to get out of us and express itself. And the more we give our sinful nature a voice, the more it will hold, uh, the more it will have influence over our life. The more our sinful nature will have a voice, whether it's criticism, complaining, gossiping, lying, the more will, uh, the more it will control the direction of our life. You, you ever been to a rodeo? I've never been to a rodeo. I've seen plenty of rodeos on the TV. And uh, we'll, you guys know the point of a rodeo. A guy gets on this bull. And the point of the rodeo is to see how long this guy can last before he gets thrown off. He doesn't control the bull. He's just trying to stay on to that thing as long as he can. The bull controls everything that's going off. And he's bucking and he's trying to, he's trying to maneuver and run around. And that, that bull is trying to knock that guy off of his back. And that guy finally, eventually... He doesn't stay on the whole time. It never happens. He finally gets thrown off. He gets chucked off of that bull. And then that's when everything gets crazy. And he's trying to run to the side. And he's trying to get the clown people come out of nowhere. And they're trying to shoo the bull away so he doesn't run over the guy that was just on his back. 
That's sometimes what our tongue is like. That's what our sinful nature is like. It's like this, this bull, and sometimes we're just kind of hanging on for dear life, hoping that we don't say something that's wrong. Hopefully that, you see, God didn't design our tongue like that. He doesn't design us to live like that. We are to watch over, think about, deliberate uh, what we say. You see, King David put it this way. In Psalm chapter 39, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. You see those two words? David stated that he was going to take heed to his ways and his words. Take heed. What does that mean? It means to keep guard or protect. So literally, it's like a soldier who keeps guard uh, over something that's important. He watches it. He keeps guard over it. He keeps a post. He's making sure that nothing happens to it. He's making sure that nobody goes in, nobody goes out. He's making sure, she's making sure that everything is okay. She's keeping guard over that thing. She's keeping guard like she's supposed to. That's what this word take heed means. That God wants us to take heed to our ways and our words. Take heed. Watch over. Guard the things you're saying. Be slow to say things that are angry. Be slow to things that, to say things that are going to instigate. Be quick to say things that are encouraging. Watch over the words you say. Deliberate. Think about them. Watch over them. We're in a constant struggle with our sin nature over control over our tongue. There's a constant struggle. Our sin nature wants to control the words we say, and uh, we need to control the words we say. There's also a another dynamic that it's at play here. Look at verse number four. James switches to the second picture. He goes from a bit into a horse's mouth to uh, the ships. Verse number four. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. So James pictures our tongue as a rudder of a ship in a storm. Very specific. Our tongue is the rudder. Our ship is the life. In this storm, the ship is trying to sail in the right direction. It's trying to sail true, try, trying to sail straight. But the winds and the waves beat against the ship and seek to derail it off its course. Seek to actually capsize the ship so that it actually can't go anywhere. The external pressures of the wind and waves try to misdirect and uh, move the ship off course. It's not, you see, it's not just our internal sin nature that seeks to influence our tongue. It's also external pressures. We're going to have the winds and waves of life and the winds and waves of relationships and the winds and waves of people saying things to us that we don't like. It's going to pressure us and it's going to pressure our tongue to say the wrong things. It's not just our internal sin nature that seeks to influence our tongue, but also the external pressures of this life that want to direct our words. Like the rudder directs, uh, directs a ship against the waves and winds pressing against it. There will be temptations and situations and people that will provoke you to say the wrong things. Just like the ship faces external pressure from the winds and waves, we will face pressure to say things that are hurtful, things that are negative, things that will uh, bring down, things that will hurt relationships. Someone's going to cut you off while you're driving this week. It's just going to happen. You're in Marietta driving, Temecula driving, on the 215. It's going to happen. Someone's going to cut you off. And in that moment, when someone cuts you off, you're going to want to say something. You're going to want to say something out loud. Someone, your, your wife or your spouse is going to press the button. You guys know what I'm talking about? They know how to press the right buttons. They know how to press the buttons where you just, it makes you want to say something. You're going to face pressure this week. Not going to just be from the inside. It's going to be from people. It's going to be from situations. It's going to be from stuff happening to you. It's going to pressure you to say things that you regret. They're going to provoke you to say things. Just like the ship faces external pressure, we're going to face pressure. Someone at work is going to talk bad about you again, and it's going to want you to react to that. 
in the moment that you are experiencing external pressure, you'll be tempted to react with your tongue. Let me encourage you this morning, don't give in to the wind and waves. Don't give in to the pressures. You don't have to be moved by those things. And again, what we say, it will direct and influence our life, the direction of our life. There are a lot of things that are out of our control. But one thing that is in our control is how we react to what happens. Jesus puts it this way. But I say unto you, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate, hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus is saying the exact opposite of what we are tempted to do. You see, we're tempted to react. We're, re, uh, we're tempted to say something. We're tempted to uh, throw out that zinger when someone says something to us. We're tempted to uh, disregard. We're tempted to hurt people. Jesus says, in, instead of doing all that, I want you to love. I want you to bless people. I want you to pray for that person that's hurting you. I want you to be with, I want you to treat that person well that is despitefully using you. That person cut you down with words, build them up with words. That person, your spouse is hurting you with what they're saying, be kind to them. That your, your friend, is, you're saying that, your spouse, he's saying in every situation, whenever you're faced with this external pressure, he's saying react with something that is good. React with love. React with a blessing. React with prayer. You see, I've been kayaking before, and I'm, I'm no good at kayaking. In fact, I don't like much water sports just because of all the bad experiences I've had. Free information. So we've been kayaking before. We, me and my wife went kayaking. We went to Big Bear one day, and we, uh, I'm kind of like the lazy guy, so I like to just sit around when we're on vacation and do nothing. How many of you guys are like that? Okay, fine. This is, this is for me then. So I'm the lazy guy. I like to just not do anything. Let's just read a book, you know, and just munch on Doritos. Yeah, that's my thing. But she wanted to go kayaking. So, okay, we go kayaking. When we're kayaking, we're like, man, this is great. This is fun. We get out in the middle of the lake. It's kind of a big lake. And finally, we're out in the middle of it. We go all the way to the other side. And we're like, man, this is, this is fun. Start getting late in the afternoon. Winds start kicking up. And we, so, so we say, okay, let's go back. So we start paddling back. But then we can't remember where the dock was. We can't remember where we're supposed to go. And on top of that, the part that really made it bad was the wind. The wind started kicking up. And it wasn't even that strong of a wind. But when you're kayaking, when you have to paddle against the wind, that gets a it gets really, really hard. At least for me, it gets really hard. And so we start paddling, and, and because this wind is pushing against us, and we can't remember where we're supposed to go, she starts, or I start getting mad, and we start getting huffy with each other, and we start just getting, we just start getting, we, there's some tension because this wind was directing us, this wind was pressing us in the wrong direction. We're trying to fight against it. That is what is going to happen to us sometimes in life. That's what's going to happen to you maybe later on this morning, maybe later on this afternoon when you go home. Somebody's going to say something, and there's going to be this pressure against you to say something. You don't have to give in to that. The Bible, you know what James is saying? You don't have to, you can, you can treat your tongue as the rudder. Your, your tongue can steer your life in the right direction. Your, your, your tongue can give you, uh, steer, steer you in the wrong direction or the right direction. Let it be the right direction this week. Because I've also been on a, on a cruise ship before. Years and years ago, saved our pennies, we were able to go on a cruise ship. Literally saved our pennies. We went on a cruise ship. You know when there's a storm and you're on a cruise ship? The winds can be beating, the, the, the waves can be just crashing against it, nothing happens. You're on the cruise ship, it's just, it's steady. It's going straight. It's not moving off course because of the wind and waves. God says, that's how I want you to be. James is saying, let your tongue be like that. Let the words that are coming out of your mouth be, be helpful, be building up people, edifying people. You don't have to allow the waves to control your words. You don't have to allow the pressures of your life to control the path of your life. See, there, I had this friend in, in college, and he was, um, he was the most positive guy I ever met. To this day, the most positive guy I ever met. I never heard this guy say one negative thing about anybody I knew, about anything in general. His name was John. 
it was just, he was, he was so positive all the time. I, I thought to myself, I'm going to try to get this guy to say something negative. I'm going to get him to criticize something or somebody. I'm going to try, I'm going to do my darnest to make sure he talks bad about somebody. That way I can just, I can just get him, you know. And so for the next couple weeks, I'd, I'd talk to him and I'd be like, so what do you think about this? I'd be like, that was really bad, right? Can you believe he did that? And he would say something positive in return. He would react with something that was edifying. He would react with something that would build that person up. And I tried hard. I said, oh, no, no, you, you really shouldn't like that person. Or she's just, she's a snitch. Or she's a gossip. Or he's just, he's just mean. He's a chump. You shouldn't like. And he said, yeah, but and he'll say something randomly nice about that person. You see, that's a very hard thing to do. But God says, I want that to be the practice in our life. When people, people are trying to get you to say something negative, you say something positive. You're building people up. You know that will, that will change, that will influence the direction of your life? You know when my, when my words are constantly uh, positive, my words to my spouse are constantly edifying, that is going to influence the direction of that relationship. When my words at my workplace or at your workplace are constantly positive, are constantly building people up, that will affect and influence the direction you go in your career. Because our words affect the direction of our life. You will face the temptation and pressure to respond destructively with your tongue. But Jesus is saying to us today that he has a better direction for your life than that. He wants to establish your direction. He wants to establish a trajectory of your life. Maybe you're thinking this morning, you can't control your tongue. You've tried in the past or you're currently trying and it just doesn't work. You still say things that are hurtful, that provoke, that cut down, that slander in spite of wanting not to say those things. Maybe you're thinking, I've tried, I just, I can't help it, I I just have something to say all the time. So what do we do? Look at end of verse number four. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, there's great pressure, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. You know who the governor is? He's the captain. He says, this ship doesn't stray, it doesn't sway, and it doesn't sink. Because the governor, the captain of the ship, he's the one in charge of it. What's James saying here? He's saying, if you find yourself constantly saying something that's negative, constantly saying something that is uh, hurting someone, constantly saying something that is not going to build your relationships up, you know what you do? You give control of your tongue over to the captain, to the governor. When you give control of your tongue over to the captain, the governor, he'll take care of you. He'll make sure your words are headed in the right direction. The governor is the captain of ship. Like a seasoned captain, he knows the seas, the wind, the waves, and the stars. God wants to guide our words and our tongue in the right direction. When we give God control of our words, he sets the right course for your life. You see in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, before we knew Jesus Christ, that part of us, that sinful, wild nature inside of us, we had no choice but to follow uh, where that led, our sinful nature. We had to follow. We had to give in to the impulses and the reactions of our old nature. But, but he says, because you are a new creature, all those old things are passed away. The sin nature has been broken. The sin nature is no longer in control over your life. Now the new nature is in control. Now Jesus can have control. Now that your, your tongue does not have to be governed by you. It doesn't have to be governed by your sinful nature or the external pressures and provocations of people in your life. It can now be governed by the 
Captain Jesus Christ. And he can set the direction for your tongue and your words. And when he sets the direction for your words, it always makes things better. It always makes the direction in the path of your life more better. It always makes, it always improves it. You are a new creature in Christ, and you do not have to be controlled by your sin nature, nor do you have to be controlled by the pressures and words of others. Give God control of your words because he has a course for your life. He can establish a direction for your life. He has a trajectory in mind for you that is sure, that's steady, that's resolute. You see, if you ever built anything before, I'm not good at building. My wife is really, actually, I hate to admit it, but she's actually better than I am at building stuff. But one thing I do know when you build is that you need a level, right? We were just building the, um, the new cart for the, the, the drapes, the pipes and drapes. And when I say we, I really don't mean me. I mean more of Luke. He was building it. But one thing we used a lot, and one thing if you build anything, you use a level, right? Well, why? Well, because it makes sure things are straight. Like if I was to set this here, and I wa- say I wanted to build something, say you wanted to build a, a crib for your kid or, or something. Maybe you want to build some, uh, something for your house. Maybe you want to build a table. You're going to use a level. Why? Because you don't want a table that's crooked like that. You don't want something that's, that's going to that's gonna slant. You want something that's straight and true. So do you just eyeball it yourself? You say, I got it. I don't need a level or anything. I'll just eyeball it. I got it myself. I'll just, I'll just make sure that okay, it looks good. No, no, no. You don't trust yourself with the direction, you trust something that's true, that's proven, that's straight. That's what you trust. Because my eye makes mistakes. This doesn't. I mess up. This doesn't mess up. God's saying, let me be this for you. Let me be this for your tongue, for your words. I can direct it a lot better than you can direct it. I can heal the relationships if you'll give me control of your words. I can, I can do things in your, I can set the direction of your life straight if you'll give me control. Why should you give God control of your tongue? Because he wants to direct your life and his direction for your life is always good. I'll leave you with this verse. Psalm 32, 8. This is what God says to us. And this is a promise you can claim this morning. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide, I will guide. Jesus says, I will guide you with my eye, not yours. That's the promise this morning.